Hello, and welcome to Surviving HG, the Truth About Plant Medicine podcast. I'm your Canadian host, Tori Moline, and I can't wait to share with you all the brave, untold stories of women who faced hyperemesis gravidarum and courageously chose to use plant medicine. These stories carry with them raw experiences, brave vulnerability, and ultimately the intuitive powers HG moms have deep within inside of us. This podcast marries two untalked about subjects, HG and the generation of women who were silenced, and the natural yet stigmatized powers of the cannabis plant. HG is the picture-perfect illness candidate for cannabis, but because it involves pregnancy and growing a baby, doctors in the medical world are reluctant to try it and to recommend it. Decades worth of propaganda still contributes to many people, including these doctors, outlook on plant medicine. In some places like the UK or Texas, for example, HG moms who choose to use cannabis out of survival to save them and their baby are persecuted. In other places, HG moms are given a hard time by social workers, family members, partners, hospital staff, and their OB and midwife. HG moms deserve justice after centuries of suffering. HG moms deserve to know about plant medicine as an option during HG pregnancies. HG moms deserve to know there are other women fighting just like them and making the brave decision to go against the social norms and choose plant medicine. HG moms need education, resources, and community after centuries of being deprived from it. These stories you are about to hear are from moms who bravely shared them in hopes of helping create change for future HG generations. These stories deserve to be heard. These stories deserve to be protected. And these stories deserve to be shared and listened to. These are the untold stories of HG plant medicine moms. I'm so excited to share with you all Brittany's HG story from Texas and her story involving CPS and how she navigated it. Brittany and I met through my social media platforms and she saw my videos where I was speaking about how cannabis can help HG. Living in the state of Texas is a very unique experience for HG moms. The state of Texas has very strict uh, laws about cannabis, but also hospital policies about cannabis and the protocol that is followed by social service workers after. In the state of Texas, moms who test positive for THC are given a social services worker and a a case is opened with their name. They have to do and complete a bunch of steps in order for that case to get closed. This period of time, typically about four weeks for HG moms, is a very traumatizing time. Not only are you recovering from childbirth um, and the the physical and mental toll that takes on one's body, but you also just had HG, so you are malnourished and you're recovering from that. And that added uh, factor on your brain, your body, those around you, like your partner, for example, your home, they're impacted so much. And so it is just so crazy to me. This is why I really wanted to capture Brittany's story, that she had to go through all of this. This was in the end of 2022. Her baby was born in November of 2022. It was so crazy to me that she had to endure all of this, but yet she 
used a lot less cannabis than I did here in Canada. Um, She refrained from using cannabis for a very long time. And because she was suffering so horribly, she finally chose, uh, she chose her health and her baby's health and she chose cannabis. Kind of after seeing some stories that I featured and I think seeing my story as well. And so for me as a Canadian mom, it's very important that I stand up and I speak my truth and share my story so that moms in places like Texas and moms like Brittany can see that other moms are going through this and not being put, not being persecuted. I, I, what am I trying to say? All HG moms should never be persecuted for using cannabis to survive. Um, And so, yeah, the differences in this world are just so crazy. And this also happens in other states um, in the United States. For example, a a state that's really close to me is Idaho. The same thing happens in Idaho, which is just across the border. So, ladies and gentlemen, this is Brittany's story. Uh, Her story about navigating CPS, DCF. And the steps and how we even talk about what that looks like. And so I think that that is so valuable. With Brittany and her story, we've been able to create this resource for moms saying, hey, this is what a home visit looks like. This is what's going to be involved. As a mom who tested positive for using THC, this is what they're looking for. And you know what? We can kind of give you some really good information on that. And I think that Brittany... Uh, kind of helping to do that and sharing her story to make this resource has been just monumental. And so before I start talking even more, we let's listen to Brittany's story. It is so powerful and so I'm just so thankful that she had the courage to share it because this really took some guts because she ha- she's going against a lot of negative things around her in terms of plant medicine and its healing. So here's Brittany's brave, brave story. Um, Okay, so I guess my first question for you is when, because I always love to know the answer, especially for HG moms, when was the first time you experienced cannabis? And when was the first time you experienced like the benefits of cannabis, let's say? So I experimented with cannabis when I was 16. I actually decided to do that on my 16th birthday with my best friend. And I got pulled out of school because I decided to smoke pot when I was 16. (laughs) Ah, Okay. So lots of trouble, obviously where you live. Can you tell everyone where you live? At the time, I was living in Florida in West Palm. So very hippy-dippy. Everybody usually, even the pastors usually smoke weed. Like, it's just very known there that it's very free-spirited. Cool, cool. And then, um, so yeah, that was your time in Florida. Were you born and raised in Florida? Yes, I was born in West Palm. Nice, nice. And so the culture around there is a little bit okay for cannabis. I mean, but going back to when you were 16, that was quite a few years ago. So cannabis was, was it legal there? Mm-mm. Ah, it was so. not legal. It was, I think in the process of becoming medical at that time with the Charlotte's web, uh, strand that they came out with. Oh, okay. I think it was for kids. Yeah. Interesting. I'll have to look into that more, but, um, so you got pulled out of school. So I'm going to guess that your parents maybe weren't really for cannabis or were they? 
They weren't because it's illegal at the Uh, time. Okay. Gotcha. And that's the only reason for that. And I think also any parent, they're usually like, oh, my kids are doing drugs in their head when they don't really know the full aspect or what it's really good for. Cause I have ADHD. I have depression. I have ADD. Like I am a whole hot mess when it comes to medical stuff. So cannabis does help me. It makes me feel normal. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, maybe describe to me a little bit. What was Brittany like before she had kids before, um, before like the sickness and all that kind of stuff? What, what kinds of things, kids, <laughs> what kinds of things did you like? I did not like kids. <laughs> oh, how interesting. <laughs> um, I worked with them when I was in Florida, but I always thought of myself as just being the aunt. <laughs> oh, okay. And that didn't work out. <laughs> and then you met we had a- you got married. I, I see. I saw that on Instagram, I think. So with that, me and my husband actually knew each other when we were in diapers. Oh my God. My mother-in-law is one of the first people to hold me outside of family inside of the hospital. Oh, wow. That's so, so it, it's really cool. Our parents are both of our fathers were business, uh, partners, I believe with a TV company that they did when TVs were becoming a really cool thing. And it was taking an uplift on flat screens to try and put it on your wall and all that stuff. Gotcha. But we had about 18 and 19 years break in between where we didn't really know each other. Mm-hmm. And then my dad also got offered a job opportunity here in Texas with Lockheed. And he's a workaholic. So of course he moves up here to Texas. And I decided very last minute to go because my husband, I was in a very bad abusive relationship before that. Mm, gotcha. So he just told me to spread my wings, become a whole new person. Cause I can create my life here. No one knows me. So I did just that. Wow. And it all seemed to have worked out very well. That's yes. Cool. That's awesome. Am I allowed? It's oh yeah, you're good. Okay. It's not cigarettes. I'm in a hotel right now, so I can't, but I definitely went out to my truck before. <laughs> um, so, okay. Yeah. You meet your husband, you guys get married. Things are going pretty good. New life in Texas. Um, mm-hmm. Texas is also an illegal state when it comes to cannabis. So um, maybe tell us a little bit about your journey from consuming cannabis as a teenager, young adult, and then you get pregnant. Do you still continue or did you stop? So with my first, I stopped. I believe there was one time. Yeah, it was 420 when I was pregnant with him and it, I was offered a hit of weed or whatnot when I was pregnant with him. And Mm -hmm. me and my, my husband was even like, you've been doing so great. So just, I would, and I decided to take a hit with my first, but that was it. I took one hit and I was gone because I hadn't smoked. (laughs) So (laughs) I was the one hitter quitter that night and (laughs) didn't touch it after that. But with my last pregnancy with my youngest son, Mm uh, I actually, I think you remember I was fighting with myself a lot with choosing plant medicine. Like there was times where I'd come to you and I'd be like, I know this just seems easier, but I don't know the judgment people around me. Mm-hmm. So it really took a lot. I went to Florida, thought about it a lot, dibbled in Florida a little bit inside of THC. 
And I realized that it started to help me, but coming back here in Texas to Texas after Florida, I decided to have that conversation with my husband because we did have it before I left. And I said, I'd think about it. Mm-hmm. And I was about when I came back eight months pregnant, eight and a half. Okay. Yeah. So I started in December or October smoking finally with the HG. And I just noticed I can be a mom again. <laughs> I can not be on a toilet. I can actually cook food and I'm hungry. Mm-hmm. Like I literally took a hit and I was starving and I just wanted to eat everything in front of me. Was I sick afterwards? Yes. Cause mm-hmm. I filled my stomach, but it helped me gain weight. I gained back 30% of my weight back wow. for delivery. Maybe. Okay. One second. Maybe we'll rewind just a little bit. Let's work our way up to kind of your point of getting where you're just in, you're just like, life is miserable. You've got your HD. So let's rewind a little bit. Um, let's go back to the beginning of let's, so your second pregnancy here is where mm-hmm. you experienced hyperemesis gravidarum the most. Um, what was your beginning of pregnancy? Like, cause for a lot of people, that's kind of when it is pretty intense. Did you experience some intense puking or anything? So puking, no, I was really good. I was happy. I was shocked because we were trying and it took three months to get pregnant. So it was really, really exciting time. But I started noticing maybe around eight weeks that I wasn't feeling good. My body is not how it felt with my, my first son. Okay. That's pretty key indicator. (laughs) I was like, so I thought for a second I was going to have a girl. I was like, if this is different. I think I'm having a girl. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was not the case. <laughs> it was mom for life. <laughs> at eight weeks. I say the HG kicked in. Cause I just started having no appetite. And then when I would eat, I would try to eat and I couldn't like, I couldn't just even put it to my face or I would just yeah. want to vomit. Changing my son's diaper made me vomit. That is one thing I definitely think about for moms who have younger kids as well is because, oh, that would be so difficult. Wow. It was really difficult because he's no longer a baby. He's a toddler. So his poops are a little bit more stinkier and grosser he's all over the, all over the place too. Like trying to- exactly. <laughs> yeah. And he's strong and I, yes. time, I was weak. <laughs> right. So, literally. So, so it was just really hard. Yeah. That's what my husband my husband really just got to watch it and was like, damn. Mm. And cause he could do nothing. He observed how awful your, mm-hmm. how much you were declining sort of probably mm-hmm. physically and mentally, would you say as well? It took a mental toll on the both of us, I think. Aha. Uh-huh. Yes. Yes. Um, a very big toll. What kinds of things like did your husband kind of go through during that time? I think he felt like he had to walk on eggshells for me. Ah, yes. I think he had to walk on eggshells for my emotions, for just not being able to eat. And I feel like he had sympathy with that. So he wasn't able to eat. So like, it's just, it was really tough emotions though. It definitely got us because it's so frustrating when someone doesn't understand, but they're trying to, but you don't see that they're trying to at the time. So, right. I think a lot of HG moms can think about their partners and kind of resonate with that so, so, so much. Um, I think HG dads don't get enough credit sometimes. They go through a lot as well. 
like they're not going through the physical puking and carrying the baby, but yeah, to be able, sometimes I think like if I wasn't able to help someone that would be so hard on myself as well. So yeah. And then I, I also noticed like he would say like things like, you're not acting like you what's going on. And then also friends too. Like, I think that HG with being alone and dealing with that and feeling very alone, I self-isolated a lot. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it had to do with me, but I went through a very vulnerable state by myself where nobody, and I, here in Texas, I really don't have anybody. I have my in-laws. I have my husband and his friends and a couple of my friends that I've made, but I've only made a handful of friends here. Yeah. Two um, or three. <laughs> yeah. That's good. You're, I know you're on your way to it. You've been busy. <laughs> yeah. Um. Oh, what was I going to say? Uh, yes. What was your experience like with your obstetrician? Um, were they helping you through this really scary time? Not at all. Mm, I see. So maybe let's walk through that process a little bit. What was their mm. first intervention for you for the puking? Uh, did they give you any pharmaceuticals, any suggestions? <laughs> I can't even remember the medications that they gave me because there was just so many, oh. but I would look up these medications when they did prescribe me and they were all for lupus and cancer patients. Right. Right. Like I would look up these medications and the description of them is for cancer and lupus patients. On top of that, did your doctor ever tell you like hyperemesis gravidarum or maybe even like an explanation or like what's happening to your body? Nope, nothing. She, I would call her, I would call her office three to four times a week in the wow. first time. Yeah, of course. Because you're like, what is happening? <laughs> yeah. I would do it three to four times a week. And I wouldn't call until like, I felt like I needed to call. Mm-hmm. So like I would hold off those three or four phone calls until I really fucking needed it. Sorry for my language. It's, you're all good. <laughs> so uh, I would reach out to their office. I'd talk to some nurse. They'd take the notes that they need to take or whatnot to let the doctor get back to me. I never got back to it, like with any of those phone calls. Wow. Never got back to you. And how about in person? What was she like? See in- you the next Tuesday. <laughs> Uh, and just like in my experience, she, the lady just really liked to get through those appointments very quickly, kind of thing. <laughs> like she didn't care; it would just brush off. Mm-hmm. And then I, I remember asking her one time. I think this was the last appointment that me and my husband decided before going that this is our last appointment. We're gonna see what she has to say. We'll give her that chance, but this is our last appointment. Oh, right. So when we went in there, she didn't care about anything. And now I'm in my second trimester. I'm 22, 25 weeks. I believe I was like around that time. I started at eight weeks telling her this stuff. That's a long time. That is a long time, especially going to ER visits because they're telling me how malnourished I am, that you have protein in your urine, that you're severely dehydrated. Cause I couldn't even keep water down. <laughs> Right, right. Like there was nothing. I couldn't even like breathing sometimes made you gag. Like it's just mm-hmm. something in the air with your body and the hormones and things all around. It just wasn't making sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So you guys go to this appointment, you're deciding mm-hmm. whether you're going to continue or not. So obviously you chose not to continue. Hey, no, because she literally wanted to care right then and there that my husband was now there. Because mm-hmm. that was the first appointment he went with me to. Gotcha. 
And it's like, now you, now you care. And now that I've lost 30 pounds on your scale. Oh yes. That's an important point to note as well is at that point you had lost 30 pounds. Mm -hmm. I had had lost 30 pounds. I had lost, and I was, I'm not even gonna lie. I was 210 pounds, maybe beginning of pregnancy. I was on my weight loss journey. So I was just starting to finally lose weight. But after I found out I was pregnant, I'm not going to try to lose weight while I'm pregnant. Of course. Of course. Like, <laughs> I'll try to stay fit or be healthier, but I'm not going to try to look good. Yeah. <laughs> so it was a shock. Yeah. It was a shock to you to see those pa- the scale dropping. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't even, my belly really didn't even pop until my third trimester coming back from Florida. Ah, yes, yes. <laughs> so like, and I was a heavier girl already to begin with. So that was just not normal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like they would tell me that the baby's behind, but I'm like, how is he behind me when I feel him up front? I think y'all are just not paying attention to what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Um, that would be such a, just such a scary time. And you were kind of alone too. And well, you had your husband, but alone, like in the state that you'd moved to, that'd be so scary. So what did you do next? Or how did you find another OB? Cause I think a lot of moms <laughs> wonder how can I even go from 25 weeks, this OB to another one. <laughs> so that was a process <laughs> and that was not a fun process at all. Um, so I was looking for an OB First of all, just who takes my insurance just to get in. And I told them, I don't care if you deliver or not. I just need to be seen so that I can know that the baby's okay. Yeah, yeah. And everybody would deny me because I've already been seen by a doctor. But they think that I've been seen by a doctor. So that means I have a problem with me and that there's a problem with me. So they don't want to work with me. When reality, it was the medical system who really fucked me. Wow. It was the whole entire system. So I had to lie. I had to say I haven't been seen. I had tried everything. So I had gotten to the point where I told my husband, I'm lying. Wow. Yeah. I'm getting into a doctor. I'm going to tell them I haven't been seen before. And if they pull up the records and ask questions, I'll tell them the truth then. But I need to get in. Mm -hmm. You did what you had to do. (laughs) Because I hadn't seen the baby in three months at that point. So it's like... Like I haven't seen a sonogram. I hadn't seen a doctor. So I was just trying to get somewhere just to be seen. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So when I finally got that doctor, they wanted to charge me about 1500 for four visits and not even the delivery. (laughs) Holy moly. As a Canadian. (laughs) With insurance. Like what? (laughs) I was like, that's not even the baby. I can't even believe that's legal. (laughs) No, no. No. Wow. And the pick line that they wanted to put me on originally oh. on that last doctor visit with the original OB, they wanted to charge me $400 a day. Yes. I had heard these hefty prices for pick lines in America. Well, you know what? I don't, I would be curious as they might even cost something here because they're so intense and in like the medication that they're delivering to you. In my process and my thinking, I'm just like, I'm a fucking, I'm a certified phlebotomist. Just give me the needle. I'll put it in myself. Like, shoot, I'll buy the equipment myself. Just true. I just crap, man. So then at that point, um, oh wait, so how did you get in to see your OB? Uh, what, what ended up happening? So I went to go see them and she literally, I, 
I brought her all the hospital paperwork. I brought her all the other paperwork. And before we sat down to talk about my pregnancy, I sat down with her inside and I told her my whole experience. And I said, I'm going to be truthful with you. I lied to you saying that I haven't been seen, but I have. And this was my experience. And she was like, that's not right at all. She was very, very nice. She was very, very sweet as an OB should be, especially during a pregnancy, because we already have hormones raging, crazy and going everywhere. Like we're not the same person we were before we were pregnant. Yeah, of course. So she was very good at this whole being sensitive, reeling it in, hearing what I have to say. But at the same time, I already had that negative thought about the medical system that I just didn't really give a crap about if she was nice at that point. Like I could care less. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I decided after the fourth visit, when they tried to charge me so much with insurance and everything, I decided to, I guess I can do it the rest of the way here. I have a month left until I give birth. Mm. I've seen the baby. I've heard the baby. He's perfectly fine. He's weighing good. I'm finally doing better now that I've had THC in my system. Mm -hmm. And it's just, I decided to let her go after that last appointment in October and carry the rest of November. Now I stopped cannabis November 11th, which was my sister-in-law's wedding. I needed a de-stressor. I selfishly took that hit one (laughs) that day. No, no. You need to for your symptoms of HD. (laughs) But it, that was my last day was November 11th, 2022. And then my son was born November 30th, 2022. So I still had THC in my system. And then he he also tested positive because of the THC. So did that OB play an active role in like letting like social services know and everything? Or was she on your side? No, because I look back at, I just got sent the other day, actually, my records from there because I'm trying to get to my, a new psychiatrist finally with mm-hmm. insurance. But she, I saw all of my uh, tests with her, all of my urine sample tests and everything that were done. There was no THC found, no cannabinoid found in my urine. Okay. So they didn't test me there. Right, right. Okay. So why did the hospital test me? Did you get tested at that previous OB's office? No. Okay. That's interesting to know. I I would pee in a cup. No problem. Right. I would not get told anything. Like when I hear people saying like, oh, my OB found it in my urine and now she's having, like, I get confused. I'm like, why did mine do that? Yeah. I, I am a little bit confused on like the validity of that too. And it just seems to vary so darn much between practitioners and practices. And it's like, there should be more uniformity across, but there is not. It's like OBs get to do whatever they want, pretty much. Exactly. It's 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 not good. It's not good. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Well, I suppose now let's walk through the um your case getting open uh, with the state the state of Texas, I guess. Hey. So my water didn't break until I was pushing. I didn't get an epidural until thirty minutes of pushing. Oh, that sucked. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, there was no pain medicine, no nothing. Intense. Oh my gosh, how not? Because every time I the anesthesiologist would come in for me, an emergency C-section would come in. Oh. So every time they'd come to me, they'd have to leave. So I got nothing until 30 minutes before pushing. 
oh my god <laughs> I was screaming bloody murder I had to apologize to those nurses because I was not nice yeah fair <laughs> but they looked at me and they said no you did that without meds you're good <laughs> right right my we'll god. take that beating any day my goodness um how were the nurses like around you that that day so they yeah. were they were nice until I pushed out a kid mm-hmm. after I pushed out my kid I was asked immediately, are you planning on breastfeeding? Or are you planning on formula feeding? Now I couldn't produce enough with my first. So of course I want to try breastfeeding. I couldn't do it with my last because he lost too much weight and I had to put him on formula. Oh yeah. You gotta do so I was so excited that I was finally going to be able to breastfeed this baby. I was going to do it with this one, be committed. Yeah. And I was told after I told her, yeah, we're going to be breastfeeding. She said, well, you can't while you're here in the hospital because baby came positive with THC and so did you. So your breast milk will have THC in it. So you are not allowed to feed baby and you'll have a CPS worker coming here soon to speak with you. I just got goosebumps as you told me all of that. Oh, that, that was literally, that was literally what I got, like the talking to the right fact, after my, the fact that they have this ability to like them bringing him to me for the first. Yeah. Yeah, they have this ability to just withhold this from you for trying to trying to survive. It's crazy. And then after that, the next our I was feeling okay. The epidural wore off pretty fast after that because I got it administered 30 minutes beforehand. So there was not that much in my system. Right. You can like up the doses and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> So I didn't have that much in my system. So I was able to walk and everything like a couple, maybe like two hours after three hours. Um, after that, all the nurses were just like judgy and you could feel it that I was an addict in their eyes. Uh, I was a drug addict that I was an unfit mom. Like every one of those types of energies I felt. That is so horrible. I'm so sorry you went through this all, but I'm so happy you're here to tell your story. I am too. I'm finally happy. I'm telling it. It needs to be out there. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay. So nurses aren't being the nicest. Um, what does Mm -hmm. everyone else say? What does, when does social worker come in? So the day after I gave birth, I wasn't feeling good at all. (laughs) I was actually dry heaving. I threw up during giving birth too. Okay. I was going to ask, but I didn't know it can be very yeah. triggering. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, I threw up and threw up and threw up and I threw up until I was throwing a bio during labor, pushing mm-hmm. out my kid. And then I was fine. And then after that, the next morning hit, it was two o'clock in the morning and I just felt the sudden urge to need to throw up. So I grabbed one of those little hospital throw up bags that's right next to you on the wall. Okay. And I started throwing up while my husband's sleeping on that couch right next to me and the baby's right between us. I'm throwing up right there. And then all of a sudden I can't throw up anymore. So now I'm dry heating. So I'm calling the nurse's button, pushing it. I waited like maybe 20 minutes for her to come in and actually help me with stuff. And it took maybe an hour to get medication to stop me from vomiting. Oh my gosh. They tried to prescribe me. I forget which narcotic it was to help me stop vomiting. And I said, no. Okay. I said, I didn't want that. I don't want a narcotic. Morphine? Was it morphine? Maybe. I don't know what. It was just to help. Whatever helps with stomach 
throwing up nausea. That's a narcotic. I just don't know the medication. Gotcha, gotcha. I don't, I don't. <laughs> but I remember I told them, I said, can I just get a Zofran drip? Because I know the drip will work. I can't yeah, have the tablet. Point, you know it works. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, don't give me the tablet. I don't right. want to put it on my tongue. I will throw it up. If I'm right. right. <laughs> like, I don't want it. Mm-hmm. So I finally got whatever they gave me, which I think it was Zofran. Um, and I was throwing up from two o'clock in the morning till two o'clock in the afternoon all day. If I wasn't sleeping and I wasn't able to keep myself asleep, I was throwing up. Oh my gosh. So that second day, I didn't really get baby time at all. I didn't even get to like hold him and feed him because if I were to, I would have fallen asleep because I was exhausted and my body was just done. The body like went through a, a, a war pretty much. <laughs> so then after that, it became around six o'clock and the DCF lady came here or came in the room. Mm-hmm. Sweet as day. You know, she wasn't judgmental. She came in to do her business like she was, thankfully. Okay. Okay. And, but it's still traumatic. Like I've never dealt with the system before in my life. Okay. And because I chose to do something to better myself for my baby. Mm-hmm. I'm getting judged and now DCF in my room. How many hours after pushing? It was traumatizing. Like, cause then you don't know, like, no, they didn't take my kid. Thankfully, thank God. They didn't ever have that in my head that they were taking my kid, but that is still in your head. Of course. Of course. When you think of the system, you think my kid's getting taken. Sure. It's fear that they put into all of our heads. Yeah. <laughs> so the lady that was, handling my case she was around our age I'd say she was in her like mid-30s at the latest okay yeah but I don't think she had kids of her own but you could just tell she was annoyed with my case because as she would state every single time you're just a THC case you're just a THC case she was annoyed and then she saw the fact that all my paperwork that I showed her about having HG the hospital visits that I went through like I looked at her. I said, you do know I only chose to smoke with pregnancy. Like, save me. And I only did it the last month and a half of pregnancy. Right. Like, I didn't do it that long at mm-hmm. all. And I said, and I, I told her, I said, if I had a problem with it, I wouldn't have been able to stop it before giving birth to my kid, you know, like two weeks exactly. before. And if it was caused, like all of these people kind of claim, if it was caused by the cannabis, you would have, your symptoms would have eased up within a few weeks, but they got more and more intense because you weren't helped. It's crazy. Sorry. (laughs) That's okay. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So that just is, uh, it just really shows like evidently how serious your HG was. It was I say the most frustrating thing about it is that they don't take into consideration at all that a person just went through HG pregnancy and now she's going through this, just delivering, delivering her baby. And now she's going through a DCF case. What the fuck is wrong with this picture? Trauma after trauma after trauma. Yeah, And like, I'm still smiling today. Right. Right. <laughs> it's a good thing. But it's just, it's been a toll. And I think the scariest part was for 
it's actually the healing part is the scariest part because there's a knock on my door and I think the worst of something. Oh my God. I literally think like maybe my kids might get taken one day. Oh my God. That is such a raw point. I have not even like heard or like no one's ever explained. It's my house is always, it's not clean. Like if I show you it's clean, but it's lived in. It's always up to standards because like I'm terrified. Oh my God, Brittany, you're doing an amazing job. Your house is there. I, I see your house all the time in your TikToks. Your house is beautiful. Don't ever, don't ever let them make you feel like you are not doing a good enough job. Okay. Yeah. And-, and then I was told that I was not allowed to cry because I caused the situation. So I couldn't have sympathy. No one could have empathy. And I don't want to ask for sympathy. Don't have any type of sympathy for me. No, because I did. I spoke THC. I put it in my kid's system. But there's a story to it. That's right. That's right. And that's a powerful story. I know, like, it's a very hard journey. And I'm still learning. And I'm every day when I see your TikToks, I'm still just like in my head. Come on, if Tori can do it, you can do it. If Tori did it, you do it. That's right. That's right. How how old is your second son right now? Three. He'll be four this year. Or oh, sorry, your first son is going to be four, and then your second son is how old? He'll be four months this month on the thirtieth. Four months. So it's been four months of healing for you. Um, it took a month to get that case closed. Right. Um, maybe we can talk a little bit about the steps that it took for you to close yeah. it as quickly as you could, because when you were talking to me during that time. And I know that it was your prerogative to get that thing closed as soon as possible. You just wanted it out of your life. Right. I literally would have, t- I literally was basically telling them, I will kiss your asshole if you really want me to mm-hmm. like, just leave me alone. <laughs> exactly. So what, okay. So what are those steps that you just, you know, you had to follow them, you got them done. They were very inconvenient, but you got them done. So maybe we can talk a little bit about that. What was the first? I really want to go in depth with it. So right after the hospital visit, I'm going to write it down. I'm going to grab a pen one second. Okay. I'm going to find my vape if you don't mind. Oh yeah. Go for it. I don't know where I fixed it. You know what? I think I forgot. I can just like edit this out later, but I think I forgot. I don't have a pen. I'm just going to write it down on my phone instead. (laughs) I can't find that thing. So you want me to go? Okay. Um, let's start off with, um, okay. Yeah. So they come to your room. What does she tell you the next step is after she comes to your room? That they will be doing a walkthrough at some point and of my house. I don't know. That they'd be doing a walkthrough of my house and to make sure that the kids have a living space, toys, food, et cetera. Like set everything safe. So I we get released. We had a call, our social worker. And we had to tell her that we were getting released. And literally when we pulled up, she was sitting outside of our driveway from the hospital to come look at our house. Oh, oh wow. And this was at like eight o'clock at night, actually, maybe seven 30. Yeah, that was great. Um, so you stayed in the hospital. Was it two days you stayed? Yeah. And then, okay. So then second, yeah, go home after two days, social workers there. 
we went in on a Wednesday, left Friday, mm-hmm. Friday night. Um, so I get to the house. She does her walkthrough. All she does is literally just walk through my living room. I'll even show you. She like walked from there mm-hmm. to there, checked my son's room and made sure he had toys, made sure he had food in the fridge and in the pantry. And just make sure that it was just a healthy space for him. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So that was done. Um, And thankfully, like beforehand, my in-laws came up and cleaned our house for us. Like before we even, like they came up and tidied up for us, like heavily. Because I was going to say, like, let's say a mom had just survived HG. Her house is a disaster. Like, let's say she's a single mom. Let's say house is a disaster because she survived nine months of puking. What if, a, what if a worker went into that house? What would they say? They wouldn't exactly. Say- Cause like, if they would have seen me back in July of 2022, I wasn't able to even get off the couch. Like of it took a lot for me to change my kid's diaper. And I had to do that because you don't do that to your kid. Of course. Yeah. And, but this is blowing my mind. Oh my God. <laughs> it's, it was crazy. So after that visit, she's everything had to go through her boss. So I couldn't get an answer from her unless her boss answered her. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So that was so inconvenient right? <laughs> and not her fault, just their, how they work their things completely understood. I was not mad at her at all. I just wanted her out of my life. Right. Yeah. You were being like so polite and I saw your text messages. They were very businessy. Like let's get this done and over with kind of thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> very professional. <laughs> I know. Sassy Brittany can turn it off. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm saying like you, it really shows that you wanted it done. <laughs> yeah. I, I really just, I really did. I wanted it to be done as fast as I could. So mm-hmm. I texted her every morning, mm-hmm. every freaking morning. What can I do? What are we doing to get this process started? Because she initially told me before leaving the walkthrough after the hospital that she did in the house, she said to me, she goes, what did she say? She said that you're just a THC case. I've had people who have done cocaine and actual hardcore drugs and make it out two weeks. This will be maybe a two week process. Tell me that after a month. Mm-hmm. of sitting and doing nothing because I didn't qualify for any of their programs. I would go in, I would tell them my story. They'd make me spill it all to see if I qualify for their programs or they would do it over phone. So I did about three of the three or four of these. That's re-traumatizing. That's cruel. Yeah. So I'd go from back when I was a kid, when I started THC all the way up to my adulthood with these people. And there's some traumatizing that I've gone through. So it's just yeah. re-bringing up and revamping old bad memories mm-hmm. on top of all the trauma from HG from birthing to now postpartum. Right. Right. So like, it's just a lot to handle. And then I have on top of that, sorry to say this family, but everyone looking at me and shaming me and saying, shame on you for fucking smoking pot. Sorry for my language. While Sorry, your daughter's smoking pot right there illegally, and I'm doing Delta 8, which is legal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So lots of... So my THC was completely legal here in the state of Texas. Right. I bought it from my vape store, my Delta 8 strands. Mm-hmm. I did Delta 8 and Delta 9. 
Mm-hmm. I didn't touch THC while pregnant. Which is, okay, just for those listening who are curious as to what Delta 8 and Delta 9 is, that is, it's quite a bit of a lower strain. of It's 0.03% THC. Really? It's that little? Mm-hmm. Okay, I was thinking it was like 8%, but 0. Point... Really? Yeah. Wow. Okay, so did the Delta 8 and Delta 9 help you like to relieve that nausea? Yes. Okay, that is really and- interesting. No. So I did, which now I'm finally realizing what I should have done while I was pregnant. I did the cartridges, the disposable cartridges that you just buy and they're ready to hit right then and there. Yeah. Which gave, it relieved so much, but it gave me a headache. Oh, interesting. Okay. So I switched to the actual little cartridges that you can put on your own little pen. Mm. And then what you saw me doing a little bit earlier, the flower cigarette it's not a cigarette at all it's just flower it's the delta 8 flower yeah like a little hitter Mm -hmm. yeah and I should have done that but I didn't know about those things because I was scared and also I had my husband because I was pregnant going in the vape shop for me right (laughs) I'm already getting judgment why would I want to get any more true yeah it's I totally understand. I would wait. I looked like Adam Sandler. Like people are like, oh, I dressed like Adam Sandler when I was pregnant. No, I literally dressed like Adam Sandler. <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing, but I can relate so much <laughs> to hide and just to like feel comfort. Like, you know, comfy things. Yeah. Comfy things are a huge, a huge focus of mine during HG, like blankets and all that. Yes. Like, your body feels so unsafe. So anything that makes it feel a little bit more safe is good. My husband was tired of me because I had a body pillow and I had a blankie to sleep with yeah. on top of our comfort. Yes. Yes. It was done. <laughs> so funny. Um, so, okay. The Delta eight, Delta nine worked out. And so that is what showed up in your system too. Hey, like through the testing, like I'm so surprised that that little of a percent would show up. So that, and especially after two weeks being in the baby system, they tried to question me on, on that too. They try to say it wouldn't be in the baby system unless you smoked 72 hours prior. Oh my gosh. Wow. So it was, that was a fun experience. Sorry. My thing keeps. Oh, that's okay. But they were just making up, like making up things that didn't take place sort of thing. And okay. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, my opinion, if you were smoking some, I'd be like, yeah, go Brittany, like smoke up until delivery type of thing. But it's just so crazy how here I can say that, but then you are being just like bombarded by all of these like authority people for trying to stay alive. Exactly. Just they're going down to the freaking details of it all. Like, oh, you did the 70. Who cares if you did it 72 hours ago or two weeks ago? Exactly. My point. Like. I, I, everybody who goes inside of the hospital and they ask you when you're pregnant, do you smoke? What do you say? No. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cause you're going to get judged if you say yes. Right. Right. Yeah. So I, I, I said no. <laughs> I said no. When I was giving, when I was literally contracting, giving birth, I said no. I oh, didn't okay. okay. Yeah. You did what you had to do. In a- and and yeah. I was in pain. So I was just, I'm just trying to deliver a kid. Right. I just need him out because he's coming out. Mm-hmm. But I feel like because I they found THC in my system, that's why they procrastinated giving me my. I don't 
think that there was that many emergency C-sections back to back from 11 o'clock in the morning until four o'clock in the afternoon. That's such a. Because my son was born at 415. (laughs) Right. That's such a scary thought to think about. Like if that was the, if that is the true case, like they were making up all this stuff while you were in horrific pain. It was, it was your choice. You wanted that epidural. You did not want to be in that horrific pain. And the fact that they just actively and consistently denied. I like want to go find the papers and show you. It's insane. Like, I can't believe how medically neglected you were. Yeah. Right. So, and of course, going forward, you're probably just a little bit. And the only thing that the doctor really wanted me to do was the pick line. That's all that they wanted me to do. Right. And then they would tell me to go to a hospital if I feel like I can't be taken care of to just go to the maternity triage. And I was like, why would I want to sit in pain in a hospital bed when I can sit in pain in my own bed? Yeah. Yeah. Because they're not going to do anything for me. Right. And you need someone to watch your son while you're in a hospital. Mm-hmm. And that's difficult. And my, exactly. That <laughs> was very difficult. It's just the process of actually getting into their programs too mm-hmm. was a lot of BS. Okay. Okay. So because what, then they also like talk about baby spacing, I guess, too. So baby spacing, I just learned this thing. They recommend a baby spacing time to have another baby. You shouldn't have back-to-back babies or you oh. can be also qualified as an unfit mother. Oh, what? <laughs> so was yours considered a back-to-back baby? Oh, okay. Okay. Cause I was like, that's pretty cool. There's a three-year gap. So. Right. But still, the fact that that's even a thing is mind-blowing. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. just like, why do you care if I have a baby back-to-back or not? Why is that even a question? Right. Why uh, is that even your concern? Because that's not even the concern of the case. Exactly. Exactly. You're so right. Um, what, what programs were you able to get into then? None. I had to, there was one that I was going to do. It was about substance abuse. The other one was going to be a mommy and baby class, but I didn't qualify for that because it's for people who are in addiction or self-harming and could be dangerous for baby and me to learn those baby and mommy times. (laughs) And I wasn't self-harming at all. And so when she said, yeah, you don't qualify for a program, I'm going to send you a letter so that you can give it to your CPS worker. So I told her that. And I told my CPS worker everything. I said, I'm going to be getting a letter and you guys should be getting one as well. And if not, I will screenshot and take pictures and send it to you, which I did. And she also got the letter, but then made me try to go to another program. Wow. And didn't take that as, I don't need anything. Maybe we should just close this case. (laughs) interesting so there was Uh, parts of me that was like is she just self-sabotaging me right now like those negative thoughts just go in your head like what am I doing wrong am I annoying this person now is she gonna hold what I'm saying against me like just trying to rush getting this done yeah because you it feels like you almost probably couldn't trust anybody at that course at that point (laughs) absolutely no one yeah because even I was told by family that if I ever touch THC again, that, and they found out they would call CPS on me, which please do. 
I did it completely legal. And if they want to come in my house and see that it's completely legal, they can. Right. And that's my house is willing and open. I am so proud of you for having that standpoint because it's like, yeah, come on in, come, come check out how great of a mom I am pretty much. So good. They took pictures of my son, my older son, to make sure that there were no bruises on him. Mind you, he was at his, he was at my in-laws and I guess smacked his face on the concrete right before all this. So I'm just like, and I was in the hospital when all this happening. So I was like, this doesn't look good. As a mama bear, you're probably just like, that's my baby. Like, don't, don't, don't take a picture. Yeah, of don't touch him. Yeah, I would like, feel the exact same way. <laughs> he wasn't the one with THC in his system, but right. because I was smoking THC and I had him in the house and I even stated that he was sleeping every single time I've touched THC. It was at nighttime when I yeah. did it. Yeah. Yeah. So it was just, it wasn't even around him. He couldn't find it. It was My husband took it to work and he doesn't even smoke. Like if he left with it, that it wasn't temptation just to smoke because I am and always have been a smoker, Mm -hmm. but did they, um, did they talk to your son, even though he's only three and a bit? I don't, I actually don't remember that. Like it's, there's a sort of blackout moments that I just don't remember because it's adrenaline emotions everything hormones coming off of different hormones of course of course yeah I just I know one mom she had like a six-year-old and they she didn't like she just did not want them talking to him because he's six like you can't you can't like talk to a six-year-old about all this stuff you know it's just uh ridiculous but um I'm glad they well maybe they did maybe they didn't I don't know but case is closed now which is good mm-hmm. but um so, okay, they go to your house, they take pictures of your kiddo. What um you ended up getting into like an online course you had to complete, right? <laughs> marijuana course, a 24-hour marijuana course. Let's talk about it. It was a it was a four-hour course though. And I finished it within an hour or before okay. an hour. Good to know. But I had to wait until the timer went up. So I had to make sure my phone didn't die. I had to sit here with my parents that came from Florida here for the holidays. We had to sit in a house until this test thing went up and then they left the next day. Like I didn't even get to spend time. Yeah. It was just like, like, it's such a, like just a ridiculous task for a new mom to be doing, like sitting on a computer doing this marijuana course. And okay. Brittany, can you tell them like, what was the contents of the course? Like, what did they even talk about in there? What did, what did social services want you to learn? (laughs) So what the marijuana course taught me about was different types of ways to smoke, different things to smoke, how, what things are called. So like bongs, bongos, there's (laughs) different like, like it was silly. It was so silly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's literally the basic. Probably went over some laws. I'm guessing there were no laws in there. Oh. Oh. Okay. There were no laws in there. All there was, I literally just listened to an auditive reading all of these things, Hmm. and the audit was very slow. So I paused the audit and I just read it myself. My goodness. So it kind of sounds like it was a bit of a waste of time. <laughs> it, no, it really was. It was 
THC is bad when smoking with pregnancy. Okay. Uh, yes. uh, THC can cause birth effects. Okay. So can other medications. Uh, <laughs> just <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Mumbo gumbo. <laughs> you're mad at me. The state was mad at me for having THC in his system and in my system. But then there's kids that develop autism because of Tylenol. And you're not mad about that. Yep. <laughs> and so it's a messed up world we live in. It's such a messed up world. No harm to anybody who takes Tylenol. You know, I like Tylenol too sometimes. Do your research. Do your research. But I found like when I was like when I was pregnant, I didn't take any Tylenol because cannabis Mm -hmm. helped me in the areas that the Tylenol would have helped me like worked in. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So that was at least a positive for that. But um, okay, drug course. What else had to take place? Oh, you had to get a little note from a doctor, didn't you? About about how you don't have a substance use disorder or something. So, <laughs> actually, <laughs> I also had to be babysat. Remember that? Oh, right. I it was in Let's my. Let's get into that one. <laughs> Let's get into that one. So, like the whole entire month from we were told when we left the hospital, we have to have somebody watching me being a mom to my kids. So I'm ba- basically babysat twenty four seven. Okay, because hubby uses cannabis as well no oh is oh i i messed up that story never mind no hubby does not okay so how come i've i thought that if your husband could test clean then that was okay really wow because he supplied it for me technically. oh my goodness gracious but it was legal right okay oh my god that actually blows my mind. I thought I thought maybe just hubby needed cannabis, so he tested negative. No, he's not a smoker at all. He doesn't touch that. I have not seen him ever, ever. <laughs> like as long as I've been with him. So like it's just okay. so, it's definitely a shocker. Grandma, your grandma had to come, was it? Uh, so they told me I had to have somebody at my house twenty four seven watching me. Now my husband can only watch me certainly like certain times because he's at work. So I was like, this isn't gonna work. <laughs> So I called my best friend originally, who was my sergeant when I worked in the jail. And I was like, hey, can you do this for me? Of course she would, hands down. But she's going through life and her own experiences. She also had just gotten married. So I thought about it. And I was like, I'm not putting this on her. That's just not fair. Yeah. So I called her and I said, you know what? I'm going to try to reach out to my grandmother. If that doesn't work, then I might need you. But I'm yeah. really going to try not to. And she understood where I was coming from but she would have. Yeah. She was like the only family that wasn't blood here for me, the whole entire experience through HG. Good friend. (laughs) And so she didn't. So I called my grandmother who lived in Florida Mm -hmm. and she did hands down. No questions asked. Thank you. Jesus that she literally blessed me right then and there. Yeah. Like, a lot of worry just went down and who else better to trust than my grandmother. Right. Right. Now being babysat all the time. I love, I love my grandmother. I love my parents, but in my family, I couldn't live with them again though. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, that's me because I'm in, <laughs> we're all in different places just, you know, so it was really hard. It took a toll, especially on my husband because now his space 
when he really did nothing in this, honestly, he just helped his wife try to get better. Right. right. And he had to deal with all this that I caused too. So it's just, it took a lot untold to where we had to walk on eggshells so that we didn't make her feel unwelcome because she wasn't unwelcome. She was so welcomed. It just, it was our space. Right. And it was invaded and it wasn't her fault. Yeah. Um, so she had to stay for two weeks, you said? No, a month. Oh, a month. Oh, wow. That she is- was there. She flew out that Saturday after that Friday of getting home from the hospital. Oh, wow. She flew out that Saturday. I got her at 3 p.m., I think, 4 p.m. that day on Saturday. Wow. So, so that would have been December 2nd. I don't think social services understands like how much this took a toll on you. Meanwhile, you're recovering from labor. Meanwhile, and luckily my parents financed her whole entire trip. And of course that would also be a huge thing is the financial part of all of this. Cause we're in one income home. Yeah. Yeah. It's. I had to quit my job that I had just gotten at the beginning of my pregnancy that I thought I was going to be able to. Oh, okay. and I literally sold vitamins at GNC. Yeah. Literally just me by myself. And I couldn't even do that. Right. Like I was in the bathroom most of the time and I told them like, I'm wasting y'all's time. I'm sorry. It's so hard to work during HG, any, any job, any job. It's no tough. Um, so yeah, that was the financial impact right there. Plus the aftermath of it all. And plus, well, that hospital, I can't believe they're going to charge you $1,500 for those four doctor visits. That's mind blowing. Yeah. And of course, like your husband's probably like, oh, what? Like, yeah, no. shock. And absolutely shock. the one who like, I, like makes the money kind of thing. And is probably like, like, I didn't see this coming kind of thing. I bet. <laughs> Not at all. And yeah. if it weren't for my grandmother, I wouldn't have made it. Like it was hard having someone completely new in our household, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't have made it. Yeah. Because out of anything, when it was just me and her, she let me say my feelings. Now, did she know how to respond to them? No. Does she agree with marijuana and those things? No, that's not how she was raised. Mm -hmm. But she was there. Yeah. Hands down. Whether she was judging but trying not to, hands down was there. She was trying her best. Yeah. And she was probably the mirror. You and her were both my miracle workers. (laughs) That time around, like, because I couldn't put at the time, I felt I couldn't put pressure on my husband mm-hmm. and I had to deescalate his pressure because I'm a people fixer. So I have to fix that and his emotions is what they're going, but I'm going through my own okay. and I'm on. And you're sick. The tipping point. Yeah. yeah. And all of this, and I was still struggling with an eating disorder. I was losing rapid weight after that. Right. I was going to say, um, I went from two Oh six at birth weight. Cause I was two Oh nine at the beginning of pregnancy. Mm-hmm. I got back my birth weight a little bit. And then literally five days after that, I weighed 185 pounds again. So postpartum, after the baby. postpartum has been, would you agree? It's been tough to eat or even- yeah, right now there's times where, cause I still have stress going on. Life's not perfect, but we're making the best of it. Yeah. Um, so I'm just trying to stay positive through this all. I'm trying to be that light that I have dimmed down for everyone else and 
shine for everyone else. So I'm trying to be my own light. (sighs) And I, and I come to conclusion that my mental health and I posted a TikTok about it today. Like I found a thing about it. Like my mental health is way more important than a relationship, than any relationships, than anybody. If I'm not good, my kids won't be good. Right. Exactly. So my mental health is top notch. My husband's mental health is top notch. And that's what I'm trying to maintain. Mm -hmm. That's my recovery and my eating disorder. Like at the moment, it goes from binge eating as much as I can to feeling sick for three days and then not eating. Okay. And binge for weeks. Binge eating was your challenge prior to HG. Mm-hmm. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. And I think right after my son, that's what I looked after my first son. That's what I looked towards of feeling and coping with things was just eating and shoving my face. I see. I see. And I can see how that relates to like HG and how it pumped complicates things so 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 because I didn't I smoked a little bit after my first son but then I stopped smoking for like over a year oh and I just I was drinking heavily too much yes absolutely but I was just binge eating Mm. figuring out my mental health Mm -hmm. and trying to please everyone else yeah and I was gonna say to your point earlier too it's you keep kind of saying like how you caused all of this, but at the same time, if you lived somewhere else, it would be such a different, it would be different. And it's, I just can't believe how much the system has put you and your family through. And I hope if any of your family members hear this, I, I want them to know what you went through was completely unfair and unjust. I can thank my mom though because they were there every phone call that I gave them. I'm proud. I'm proud of you for getting through it all. And like I was saying before, the fact you just handled everything so professionally, you got you tried to get it done and over with as Mm -hmm. quick as you could, because this is something that should never be put upon an HG mom, a mom in general who uses cannabis to help their body, mind, or or soul through pregnancy. (laughs) Exactly. Like my body literally felt like I was dying. Mm-hmm. And that I, is, literally, I could feel my inside. It felt like they were shutting down. There's a I was dry heaving. I had nothing to dry. I had nothing in my system. Yeah. It's so horrible. There's a term called cachexia. Cachexia. And it basically describes the body in, in shutdown mode in, it's it's where your your body is signaling to your brain that you are not going to make it. You're you're not going to live through this. And HG moms experience cachexia on a daily basis. Um, some other facts I can throw in there is chemotherapy patients. Two in five chemotherapy patients quit chemotherapy because of the puking. HG moms don't have a way out, um, unless aborting. And I'm sorry, that was not my option. Yeah. And that's everyone's choice for sure. But um, yeah, it's the, the signaling to the brain um, is so similar to cancer patients going through chemotherapy. And so the fact that cancer patients are given medical marijuana cards, but HG moms are not is absolutely absurd. Yeah. Yeah. And like our brains, they undergo such change, like traumatic change. 
if we go under a brain scanner, look at the HD mom's brain compared to a, someone who just came back from a war, you'd see striking similarities in the trauma and PTSD that we witness or go through. <laughs> exactly. So the science, the PTSD, <laughs> I have not been diagnosed with PTSD, but I do have it. I'm willing to every knock on my door, whether it's Amazon or just a neighbor, I'm scared shitless. That is such a, wow. I, that is such a, I don't even have a word for that. It's just so, I can't believe I never, like, nobody knows about that. Like that PTSD kind of thing, you know, it's crazy. Like I literally, who was it yesterday? I was selling one of my purses that I have in my, just cleaning out my closet and making extra money. and yesterday she knocked on my door to come get it and I had forgotten because I'd forgotten and I was making a TikTok and I got so scared and I literally like just stood there and I, my body just wanted to shake and then I was like oh wait I know who that is yeah but it's just that fear of like any little thing mm-hmm. and then I also am filtering what I'm saying so I might say something super super mean I'm gonna delete that though and now filter everything yeah, to make that's sure a- that nothing can be held against me, mm, and I'm it's just because, be- yeah, because you've been in such a vulnerable spot where things were used against you. It's scary, mm-hmm. very scary. And what would okay? What would you say to moms also going through this? Um, maybe let's say a mom just gave birth like a couple weeks ago. Is there any advice you would give her um, for going through, you know, the social services process, the healing process, everything? Love yourself because you're going to hate that moment, but you just don't love, don't hate yourself. Mm-hmm. You, you got to stay strong for yourself. Yeah. And women, not everyone's religious, but what I go by is you get put through things that they already know that you can handle. That's right. And it might be really hard. It might be really difficult. It might suck, mm-hmm. but it's okay. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. I like that. <laughs> Thanks. Oh, and get a good support system. Yeah, that's that is so essential to HG care. And if you don't cut them off, don't be scared. Mm-hmm. Because I, I have realized what I want <laughs> around my family after this. That is a huge thing about HG. It really allows you to see, well, no, it just like, it really puts things into perspective and allows you to see what, uh, what good humans you're around and what bad humans you're around. And if you're going to judge me for trying to better myself or being able to be better for my baby while he was at me. Yep. Judge me. I don't care. Just walk away though. Exactly. Yeah. You did what you had to do for your kiddos. And I think every HG mom who chooses cannabis made a great decision and a healthy decision for their, their, their themselves and their babies. <laughs> and they advocate for yourself. Yes. Advocate. It's, it's and I'm sorry, I probably shouldn't give this advice, but you can cheat the system. You don't have to answer everything 110%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause they don't need to know 110%. Yeah. Not when they're doing all this ridiculous stuff. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Um, was there anything else I just wanted to kind of close my notes here too on the the DCF stuff. Um, your grandma came to visit. Was there anything else that you had to go through? 
um, a lot of relationship testers for sure. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I just meant like with the social worker. So the social worker, I did that with my grandmother. I did the course Mm -hmm. and then I messaged her the day after, after I sent her the results that day of my course. And she said she has to get back to her boss. Yeah. So my parents were already, they had just gotten on the road to go back to Florida or whatnot here from Fort Worth. And my grandmother also lives in Florida. So I told them to stay until 8, 830, just stay until 8, 830. They couldn't, they needed to get on the road because mm-hmm. they had it all timely planned and everything. New Year's, they had friends, plans oh, and everything yeah. to meet up with. So I called and texted around eight and she was like, oh yeah, I forgot to tell you, right. but your grandmother, it, you're released. You're not on watch anymore. You're able to be with your family by yourself again. The house can go back to normal. So I had to call my freaking parents back. They had to make a U-turn. They were all the way like past Dallas, having to make a U-turn coming back to Fort Worth. Oh, wait, why did they have to come back? To come pick up my grandmother now. Because she can go home. My goodness. Okay. Wow. 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 Okay. So how? Because she forgot to tell me the day before. Right. So she kept you in limbo for like an extra 24 hours. Yeah. You will be in limbo the whole entire time with DCF, by the way. Right. It is ear to ear, play by play. Yeah. And that's why it's not on your time schedule. And that's why it was important that you texted every morning too, being like, Mm -hmm. hey, hey. hey." (laughs) And I remember because my sister's had a gone, like my sister knows about these types of experiences. So she was like guiding me a little bit, like, okay, really kind of being like, just, you need to be truthful, but at the same time, be you do not lose you in this. You need to show them you because they will understand. Mm-hmm. So she really was the one to tell me and kick in, be your most authentic self. That's good. That's really good. And if they didn't like it, I didn't care. <laughs> and after they said I could go free, they can go screw themselves. <laughs> now you're now you're free of any kind of hassle. Hey, three months later. <laughs> yeah, I guess the six month call should be coming up in like two months, three months. Oh, okay. So there is some additional, there'll be a checkup. I I believe I was told about this though. I was pre-warned by my caseworker and everything. Gotcha. And hopefully it'll go smoothly, but I'd like to point out that this shouldn't even be freaking happening. (laughs) No. Oh, and then they tried to also go through a back plan. If I ever decided to use again, A, a back. Oh my gosh. What? Yeah. So what would happen with the kids if I did just unnecessary crap. And I'm just like, fear. I didn't have a needle in my arm. I'm sorry. They're just putting fear, fear into people who smoke plants. Like what? It comes from the ground. Like I don't understand, but then there's a person who's drinking and they're pregnant, but you're okay with that. Or smoking a cigarette that has how many different chemicals and different poisons in it. And do babies get tested for cigarettes at birth? Probably not. Probably not. Or do they even get tested for alcohol? Uh, there, I know I FAS, don't think so. like FASD, you can like sometimes observe it, but. Because I've had an OB. I, would be, I want to okay research this. Am I I'm going to TikTok. If you can test THC, then why aren't you testing for cigarettes and alcohol? <laughs> That's a good question. And why do we not have Delta 8 THC and CHC? 
test different yet. Shouldn't that come out when you create a product? Like, uh, you would think so. My goodness. I just, it's not my fault that they didn't have the test because if they had a test to make that difference, I wouldn't have had a case. Exactly. That test would have been the difference between so much for if so they many have you to see uh, that it's Delta eight legal in the state of Texas? They could have even seen the last time that I smoked it. If they really went into detail. Wow. 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 Cause they could have estimated with the percentage. Right, right. That just blows my mind. It really does. It really does. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Have you um, talked to any other like Texas moms now, like through TikTok and stuff who have gone through any of this? Are stories similar or different? Like I, I have not. I have not met Texas moms that have gone. I have, I'm in a little moms group. I think, you know, Holly on TikTok. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm in her little moms group or whatnot. And we do like this little face, not FaceTime, but the little mm-hmm. messaging times or whatnot. And there's just a bunch of moms on there. Oh, cool. Yeah. She invited me to a couple of things. And it's throughout like the whole day. So like any time of the day, I can just go on there. And if I need to vent, like, and I'm new to this group. So if I need to vent, these ladies have shown me that I can just come on here and be judged free or my kids can be yelling in the background. They don't give a crap. Yeah. That's good. Like they know what's going on. That's amazing. <laughs> so honestly, what I could say also, find yourself a good supporting mom group, whether yes. it's in person or whether it's online, because my online experience is 10 times better than my in-person. Same here. <laughs> <laughs> there is not a lot of, well, no, I'm starting to know a couple more in my area, but when I was pregnant, oh, I did not know anyone smoking weed while pregnant. <laughs> no. And see, I was so scared to actually do it. Like I was really scared. Yeah. Yeah. It took me a while. I think how long was I venting to you before I finally did it? Yeah. It was quite a, quite a few months probably. (laughs) I think it was a while. Yeah. And I remember right before I got diagnosed, your TikTok came up on my for you page and I was just like, what the fuck is this? (laughs) I love it. This is everything I'm going through. What is this? I don't even remember what the first TikTok was that I saw, but I just remember what is this? And then that weekend was my gender reveal. And that's when all the hospital visits, because I went right before my gender reveal, uh, had my gender reveal, went the day after my gender reveal. Right, right. So I was just, and then I got diagnosed with it twice. And I was just like, wow. <laughs> sometimes the algorithm really works in my favor. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes I get horrible people, but most of the time I get wonderful people. <laughs> <laughs> the wonderful people just cancel out those bad ones. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's crazy how TikTok is such a mm, a catalyst of information for HG. Mm-hmm. It's been pretty sweet. <laughs> I love it. And I I also love the fact that I'm finally meeting other people who haven't tried plant, but they're, it's like, we're all backing each other, you know? Right. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't matter if we agreed or didn't agree or did it and didn't do it. It doesn't yeah. matter. The we main- all went through the same thing. Right. The beautiful thing about HG Moms is that we all have this very mutual understanding. HG Moms are some of the bravest women I know. We were built from darkness and had to rise above. We were given little help, resources, or community by those in charge of our care. But we created it ourselves once we could unite through the internet and tell our stories. 
where we could tell the truth about plant medicine and surviving HG.